Good morning. The reading today is taken from John 18, verse 33 to 37. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? I am a Jew, Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. This is the word of the Lord. So, Feast of Christ the King. How exciting. I, uh, it's very exciting that actually it's our day of patronage, because of course we are Christ Church. Um, that being said, I was a little worried uh, when I sort of realised I was preaching on this because uh, I was worried that someone was going to ask, oh, so how did, how did we start doing Christ, you know, the Feast of Christ the King? How did that start? Uh, and I didn't, I had no idea. Um, uh, basically, um, and I figured if I was going to preach on it, I should probably do a little bit of research. Um, and it turns out uh, it's a relatively recent feast that's been added to the, to the Catholic Church and to the Anglican Church as well. So the briefest kind of summary I could find has just been put on the back there. Uh, so it was added to the Catholic Church in 1925. It was created by Pope Pius XI in his encyclical, Quas Primus, in response to growing secularism and nationalism in the context of the unresolved Roman questions. I don't know still what most of that means. <laughs> but... Um, I did a bit more digging, and there's a summary that goes a little bit more like this, which is to say that in 1925, the Pope wrote uh, a letter, he wrote a letter to the entire Catholic Church, in which he basically said, look guys, um, we've just had a massive war, you know, the Great War, World War I, and the ideas at the time of enlightenment and of progress and of humanity getting better um, have been severely challenged in the wake of, of all that destruction. And so the, the Pope in his letter kind of says, you know, rather than focusing on ideas of nationalism and, and empire, really let us refocus our thoughts, refocus ourselves on Christ the King, the author and perfecter of our faith. And to make sure that we don't forget this, actually we're going to make it an annual feast to recenter ourselves on Christ the King. That's really what uh, this Quas Primus, this letter that he writes, is trying to get at, I think. Um, and as I started to look at this, at this letter in particular, one of the things that I really uh, valued, I think, and was struck by, was the timelessness of this declaration, Christ the King, which I think this morning's passage helps us to think a little bit about as well. Specifically, I think it helps us to think that when we are proclaiming Christ the King we can kind of be saying three things. We can be proclaiming Christ the King as he was, we're proclaiming Christ the King as he is, and we're proclaiming Christ the King as he will be. And I think the passage as well helps us to, to think a little bit about what those things might be. So on that note, we're going to look at this first one, the idea of Christ the King as he was. 
I'm going to look at the first two verses, just to provide some context as we've been looking through John. At this point in the story, we meet Jesus uh, just after he's been betrayed by his disciple Judas. He's been arrested by the Jewish leaders and, and questioned and beaten, and he's been dragged in front of Pilate to be judged, the sort of local Roman governor Pilate to be judged for supposedly claiming to be king of the Jews. And into that we get this exchange. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? As I was uh, preparing to to speak this morning, One of the things that's been commonly observed by commentators, uh, but isn't immediately obvious in in modern translations, um, is to do with the Greek of the the original verse. Um, I'm not an expert in Greek, but my understanding is that actually you can have the same words in a sentence and have the same meaning, but you can move the words around to give different emphasis to different words. And in this case, the original Greek places the emphasis when Pilate says, you... In other words, rather than reading, uh, are you king of the Jews? It might be more appropriate to read you, you with carpenter's hands and no allies to speak of, no loyal followers, you're king of the Jews? To those around him, both Jewish and Gentile, Jesus modeled a very different kind of kingship. Jesus was not a soldier, not a conqueror, not a politician, and ultimately without any earthly recognized authority. And yet he appears unabashed by Pilate's incredulity and instead responds with his own question. Do you say this to me of your own accord, or did others say this to you about me? As if to stress the immeasurable differences in their true authority. Whilst on first glance it appears as though Jesus is on trial, of course the reality is almost the opposite, that Jesus is king. Jesus, as he was then, modelled a hugely different kind of kingdom. In the context of living under occupation by a foreign power, on the relative edge of this aggressively expanding Roman Empire, a regime so brutal as to deal with dissidents and thieves by nailing their bodies to wood and hanging them publicly on roads and hills that they might be seen by everyone and strike fear into the hearts and minds of all who saw them, Jesus did not seek to embrace power, but rather to embrace children and the sick and the outcast. Jesus did not seek to feed the soldiers who followed him into battle, but rather sought to feed those who followed him to hear more of his word. It's easy to look at the past and to say that Jesus was not what the Jews expected as a king. Um, I'm sure many of you have heard that, that line before. But if a king's behavior models what he hopes for from his servants, then how do we respond? Do we follow Jesus' example of embracing those who society does not? In this brief exchange with Pilate, I'm reminded of Jesus' tendency to flip expectations on their head, but also what that might mean for myself and what it might mean for us as well.
So that's the first thing I think we can see in this passage this morning, the idea of Jesus, Christ the King as he was. The next is Christ the King as he is today. If you're following along, we're actually going to jump to the last verse from our passage this morning. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Christ the King as he was is no longer with us in the same way that he was with his disciples. That much is obvious, but I think sometimes it's helpful to be reminded of that because it can help us understand what's being said here. Pilate comes back to his original questions with an exchange between him and Jesus that's actually recorded almost verbatim in all four Gospels. In it, Pilate asks Jesus with a more serious take on his first question. So you are a king. And Jesus responds likewise with a more serious answer. You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Um, occasionally, uh, when I speak about, about faith uh, and about Jesus uh, with people who perhaps uh, wouldn't describe themselves as, as Christians, um, one of the responses that, that sometimes gets thrown around is, is this idea of like Jesus was a, was a great teacher, you know, hugely influential uh, moral leader, but that he wasn't God. Um, and I'm sure many of you have heard that as well. Um, but ultimately, uh, I, I disagree. I believe that Jesus Christ is king. To, to address this in a particular way, one of my um, preferred quotes is, uh, is a quote by Napoleon. Um, Anna did a, <laughs> I approached this at the earlier service, and Anna did say, it's not every sermon when you get a mention to the Pope and Napoleon. They're not natural bedfellows. But um, Napoleon uh, said this on the idea of Jesus. He said, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ was not just a man. Alexander the Great, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires, but on what did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love, and at this hour, millions would die for him. When we think of Christ the King as he is, no, he's not with us in the flesh as he was with his disciples. But as he says here, he is still with us by his spirit. He still bears witness to the truth. And that we as Christians are called to follow him daily and to listen to his voice. Here I believe he reminds that Jesus is so much more than a role model. Actually, Jesus is the king who leads and is with us even now as we continue to usher in his kingdom by reaching out to the weary and serving in his name. So those are the, the first two. Christ the king as he was. Christ the king as he is today. And lastly, Christ the king as he will be. Jumping back into the, the middle of the passage, we almost see what could be described as the, sort of the climax of this, of this trial. Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, 
My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I would not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. As true as all the things that we've just talked about are, um, of Jesus being of the truth, of Jesus being king today, the reality is that sometimes these things can feel like they're not enough to get us through the day. What I mean by that is that we can know in our, in our half hearts that Jesus is king, but sometimes that feels a bit of a faraway truth rather than a close truth that is at hand. Sometimes when life is hard, for whatever reason, the idea of Christ being king today is something that always doesn't feel true. And for me, I think that's why we also need Christ the king as he will be. Christ the king that we are waiting for to come again. I think there's something about that hope, about him returning, that we need as Christians to sustain us and give us something to focus on ahead. Um, At the end of scripture in the book of Revelation, we're, we're given a whole load of images and words about what it's going to look like when Christ the King returns in glory. And some of it's pretty scary. But so much of it gives us cause for great hope. Revelation 21 in particular speaks of the new heaven and the new earth. As the writer sees all of this, they're told that they, uh, they heard a loud voice crying out as follows. Behold, look at God's dwelling place, now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. I, uh, I sometimes feel that I live uh, in tension with my faith. Um, not every day, but some days uh, when things have felt particularly unfairly difficult. When prayers for, for friends who are, who are deathly sick go unanswered. When crying out to God feels more like shouting out into an abyss. And it's not just personal things that that cause the sense of tension either. We look at the world around us, whether that's gender inequalities or racial discrimination or war or famine or increasing wealth inequalities. These are all things that are part of our world. And they exist in tension with the truth that Christ is king. And for me, the way I live with the tension of those things is to know that Christ the King is coming again in glory with the new creation where death is no more. We invite the uh, band back up. Um, But just to close, um, as we celebrate the feast of Christ the King today, I pray that we will remember Christ the King as he was, 
embrace Christ the King as he is and look with hope towards Christ the King as he will be. Father God, I just pray for us now. I pray that we would know you as as King in our lives and in our hearts today. I pray particularly as we look forward towards Advent as well. As we look towards your coming again, that you might reveal yourself again to us afresh. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.